0: Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. How many love the Word of God? The Bible says it's a lamp unto our feet, a light in our path. David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. He also wrote, Forever, O Lord, Thy word is settled in heaven, which I like. That means... Healing is settled. Blessing is settled. Righteousness is settled. Joy. Everybody say joy? And smile. Big smiles. Amen. Ephesians chapter one. We're gonna. We, how many enjoyed Brother Billy Beauregard last week? He's a character, isn't he? <laughs> we ship him in. Ship him in every once in a while to stir you up. Thank God he can do it. Amen. We studied before that. I think, if I'm not mistaken, we spent three weeks. Studying the subject of faith, and it's good to it's good to know uh, what faith is. The Bible says, "Without it, it's impossible to please God." And, you know, we need to learn to live by faith. Faith needs to be a lifestyle. You know, one of the things that we always uh, uh, point out is that for most people that are Christians, when you talk to them about faith, it's a it's a it's a word of identification. I've I've been on planes and buses and trains all over the world and been witnessing to people about, you know, 10 minutes into talking to them about the goodness of God, they'll look at me and say, Of what faith are you? Well, did you know that has nothing to do with faith? A label, I like what an old preacher said years ago. He said, You know, we have all these labels of all these denominations. He said, The great thing about that is, he said, When you go up to heaven, all those labels just fall off. Isn't that great? And when you go to hell, they all burn off. So, you know, it's going to lose them one way or another. <laughs> Glory to God. But faith is the ability of a believer to receive revelation from the Word of God. The Bible says, Romans 10, 17, So then faith cometh by hearing hearing by the Word of God. It is your ability to see what God has already done for you and to appropriate it. Now, with that in mind, we're going to take a little a little jaunt into redemption because that's what your faith is in. It's in the redeeming or the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ that restored the human family to God so that the human family on earth could become God's family on earth. Now that's, we've always talked about Several different subjects we've always alluded to what we call the erroneous doctrines of Christianity. We say, what do you mean by erroneous? They're not relative. They're not Bible-based. They have no basis in the Word of God. But they're used in many denominations as truth, but they're not truth. They're just, it's just made up. It's what it is. Go study it. You'll find out. Those two doctrines are this, the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of men. Now, the doctrines are this. God is the father of all man. That is not true. God is the creator of all men, but he's only the father of those that have been born again through the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of the human family. We're all all brothers and sisters. No, we're not. There are two families on the earth. That is the family of man, the human family, and the family of God. We all were born into the human family. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. Thank God we don't have to live under the curse of the human. The human family is cursed. Did you know that? Have they gotten anything right in 6,000 years? No. They've killed each other, warred against each other, stolen from each other, done all kinds of nasty things. You say, why? Because the nature of God is not in the human family. It's the nature of the adversary. But thank God you can be born again. You can get rid of that old nature, and you can come right on over into the family of God, and it can happen just like that. Amen? Amen? You said, certainly you have to do something good. No, the Bible says not by works of righteousness which we perform, but according to his mercy he has saved us. It's the adherence to what God has already done for us. Now, Ephesians chapter one, letters to the church. Now, let me just throw this out to you. One of the greatest Bible studies you you can do for yourself for your own edification, your own education in the word of God is to go through the letters to the church. Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 uh, and Second uh, Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, uh, Hebrews, uh, Titus, uh, what well, I'm missing a few, uh, anyway, you know what I'm talking about, all the letters to the church. Now, let me just say this, those letters to the church is the word of God written to you. Everybody say to me. Now, the rest of the Bible, now let me, don't don't get mad at me, throw rocks at me, but I can prove it to you by the word. All of the Old Covenant and the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I love Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I I, I study them, I meditate them, I preach on them, you know I do. All of the good uh, uh, illustrations that we have. But all of the word of God, except for the letters to the church, are written for you. But the letters to the church are written to you. You say, now what's the difference? Well, that which is written for you is written for your example. That which is written to you is written to you to identify who God is and who you are. Actually, we can say it like this: how God sees you. Obviously, well, God sees me as some poor old sinner saved by grace. That's not how God sees you. Now, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. We'll stir this redemptive. Realities up a little bit. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is verse 3 of Ephesians 1. Verse 3, Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God of our, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice this. Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Everybody say blessed us. Amen. With all spiritual blessing Amen. in heavenly places. Everybody say in Christ. Say, in Christ. Christ. Say, "In in Christ. Now, we must understand, number one, one of the realities or one of the truths of the study of the letters to the church is its past tense reality. Notice, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice, who hath. Now, that right there ought to give you revelation. Now remember what revelation is. Revelation is that which is uncovered from the source. God wants to grant you revelation. Pastor Rusty can teach and preach. We can get other teachers and preachers and prophets and apostles and evangelists up here. They can can teach the word, teach the word, but it is the Holy Ghost which comes and unveils the word and deposits it into your spirit. And that deposit needs to include the reality of the past tense work of God on your behalf. Now, I'm not saying it like this to be cruel. I'm saying it like this to wake you up. God is not gonna do anything for you. Something God really needs to do, it. He's not gonna do it. So I'm believing God to heal me. He's not gonna do it. I'm believing God for No, no. God has already done everything you'll ever need done for you by Him. He's already done it and He's deposited. In spiritual places, as spiritual blessings, he's deposited as spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's where he can protect it. Everybody say protect it. And that's where he can distribute it according to your faith. Amen. Now, the new birth. Everybody say new birth. Being born again, it's not that hard. We talked about it earlier an individual is born, first of all, into a human family. Every one of us have to have a father, have to have a mother. I call it the belly button principle. You say, how do you know you're a human? You got a belly button, amen. How will you know when you get to heaven who Adam and Eve are? They won't have, they won't have belly buttons. Come on, amen. I mean, they were correct. God, God, God just took a bunch of dirt and made a, made a form, and then blew into it the breath of life. And there was Adam. Then he went into Adam. He didn't go into Adam's belly. He went into his side and took out a rib. So he's going to have a scar on his side, no belly button. So I know who you are. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Amen. Adam and Eve were the prototype. was say prototype. For all humanity. Listen, every race, creed, and was Adam and the woman, they were the first white couple. They were the first black couple. They were the first Hispanic couple. They were the first Asian couple. They were the first tall couple. They were the first short couple. They were the first wide couple. They were the first rich couple. They were the first, you name it, they were the first. They were what I like to call the master copy. Everybody say master copy. Then God put a law into the earth of what? Every seed reproducing after its own kind. Then Adam and the woman fell into sin and began to reproduce after their own kind or begin to reproduce in sin and iniquity according to the one they bowed their knee to who was Satan. That's why humanity is in such a mess. But thank God for a new master copy. You say, what do you mean a new master copy? His name was Jesus. And he came to the earth and he died on the cross to redeem us and he rose from the dead so that we might be, we're born first into the human family so that we might be born again into God's family and for God's family not only did Jesus pay the credit bill due from Israel several thousand years of killing lambs and offering blood not only did he pay what they ran up on their lamb credit card he also came and made a deposit of spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, see a lot of people say, well, you know, thank God for spiritual blessings, but I need some money. And I need my my arm hurts. I need some some relief in my arm. Well, you have to understand everything that we lost, where we lost it was where? We lost it in the spiritual realm our connection with God. Spiritual death is what? It is separation from God. We were separated from God. We were separated from all spiritual blessing. We were separated from all of that. So God has come back and made a deposit of spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, but we have to know how to appropriate it and walk in it. That's where faith comes in. Amen. But you got to understand, everything that God did in Christ, He did not do it on his own behalf. Jesus did not die for himself. He did not need to destroy Satan for himself. He did not need to destroy the curse that was on humanity for himself. He needed to do it for us. He was the great substitutionary sacrifice. I'll never forget, I believe it was in uh, uh, 1988. I think the Olympics were going on in in uh, Los Angeles, if I'm not mistaken. And I flew in, I was flying into Idaho to preach and I had to stop in Salt Lake City and back then they had these little TVs you could sit down and watch and put a quarter in them and turn the deal and and I was gonna try and watch a couple of the events on the Olympics. They only had three channels and so the first channel I turned to, there was a, a Mormon convention going on and one of their elders or prophets was up preaching and he was up preaching and he preached this beautiful message as Christ our example but the way he ended his message was this we know by the writings that we adhere to in our bible that jesus was only our example and i pointed to thief i said that's where you're wrong buddy because jesus can never be your example until he's first your substitute That means he takes everything that was right. That's what the cross was all about. That's what the resurrection was all about. That's what the suffering was all about. He was taking your sin. He was taking your sickness. He was taking your iniquity. He was taking your poverty. He was taking your shame. He was taking your unrighteousness. And then he took and remitted or eradicated all of your sin and destroyed the motivation in you to sin so that you could live as an overcoming believer here on a fallen planet. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, one of the greatest realities of our redemption, our being born again, is our identity. Now, identity is a very strong force. Let's just use our nation, much less in the world. I've been in places where everybody looks the same, still beats each other to death. I mean, I was in Ireland, preached in Ireland for years during what they called the Troubles. The IRA was causing great uh, 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 insurrection all over the north. It was just horrible. But you couldn't tell a northern Irishman or an IRA Irishman from one that wasn't Irish. They all looked the same. But they had great prejudice, and that prejudice was based on identity. Are you a, are you a, are you a Protestant? Are you a Catholic? They used to ask me. I had the IRA ask me that? Are you a Catholic or a Protestant? I said, "Ain't hey, neither one. I'm a new creature. looked at me like I was crazy. You say, what do you mean by that? Listen, Christianity is... I like Christianity. They were first called Christians. They in Antioch. But in reality, what you are is not white, is not black, is not male, is not female, is not Hispanic, is not Asian, is not tall, is not short, is not white. For some of you. (laughs) What you are is you are in Christ. Now, that must become the foundational truth of your identity. Everybody say identity. Now, identity is so strong, it's it's manipulated by advertisement. It's used politically. In just about every endeavor of life, there is some type of manipulation of identity in order to control you or get a response from you. But if you only adhere to one identity, then you don't have a problem. Amen? You say, what do you mean by that? If all your identity is is who you are in Christ, then I guarantee you it doesn't matter what other identities try to connect themselves to you. The reality of who you are in Christ will rise above all of that and you will declare yourself in Christ. Amen? And by so doing, you literally segregate yourself from all the other identities that try to control you. Now I heard a guy the other day was talking about in California they've actually passed a law this is crazy in California they've actually passed a law that a child at age 8 if he begins to question his or her identity little boy thinks he's a little girl little girl thinks he's a little boy They think that should be patronized. They think that should be celebrated. They think that should be, uh, uh, you know, uh, we need to... And the law that was passed is this, that the educational system, the schools, the principals, the teachers ought to do everything they can do to try to change that person's identity if that's what they feel like they are. Did you know that's a great deception? That's a great deception. I mean, you must understand that all of the fabric of human society has been so eroded that there's not much left. You say, what do you mean by that? Morality, the way people act toward one another, uh, social thinking, political thinking, it's so muddled up and messed up, man has lost his moral compass. And he doesn't get it back through education. And he doesn't get it back through wealth. Well, if we can just give everybody a bunch of money, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. What it takes is an identity change to a place of identity that cannot be changed. And that's the reality of who you are in Christ once you're born again. Now, go over if you will to 2 Corinthians. How's my time? I'm doing good. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now let me just help you a little bit. I, most of you know my testimony. I was a, a Christian kid born, born again. I knew I was born again at age six. Uh, My Sunday school teacher's name was Letha Groover, wonderful woman. Uh, She was a school teacher and a Sunday school teacher. She taught a, a message on Jesus and on being born again and how Jesus said you must be born again. At age six, I walked up, got out of my little seat and walked up and gave my heart to Jesus, got born again at age six. At age seven, I got Baptized in the Holy Ghost, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19, all through the book of Acts, people were what? Endued with power and spoke in languages they did not intellectually learn. That happened to me at age 7. At age 8, age 9, age 10, we went to a glorious church. It was a church that was basically on the forefront of the charismatic move. Wonderful speakers came. We had wonderful pastors. But by the time I got into my mid-teens, I had gotten away from God, and I got into some really bad lifestyles. Addictions, mindsets, horrible. I mean, criminal, violent, you name it, that was me. But on March the 7th, 1984, I came back to the Lord watching Billy Graham on TV in one of his crusades as he taught on Noah and Noah's righteous family. Well, I just knew I'd run far enough. I knew I was called to preach. I knew some of the things the Lord had spoke to me over the years. I had been i had been wooed by God all 10 to 11 years that I was away from God. He had talked to me. He had said things to me, even, even in a stupor of drugs. I mean, God would still, God would still speak to you. How I many know that? You can't run far enough to get away from a righteous God. So finally, I just gave up and gave in, amen? But listen, when I came back to the Lord, got up, 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 up off my knees, I quit running with the crowd I used to run with, quit doing the things I used to do, but I still had major issues and my issues were identified with my past life. Has anybody had issues with your past? Thank God he's made a way for the believer to enter into the redemptive realities of the truth. Now the facts were I'd been on drugs, the facts were I'd been involved in crime, the facts were I'd been violent, those were the facts, but the truths were what God had said about me. Well, I didn't know all that yet. And so my past was, the devil was using it. And he'll use, listen, he'll use your past against you to wear you out if you let him. I mean, he'll bring up all kinds of things and dredge up all kinds of memories. That's why God's given you equipment to overcome and fight that with so that you can live as the new creature God's called you to be. Amen. Amen. So I, I, you know, I kind of continued on the path there and then went to some meetings and, and went to some churches and decided to go to Bible school. But in the midst of that, I was fighting a real battle with identity. Was I just an ex-drug addict? Was I just an ex-this or that? Is that really how I'm destined to live my life, as some person with this big X next to all the bad stuff I used to do? Amen. So a friend of mine I had known from a from childhood, a pastor's son, Mark Hankins is his name. His daddy was B.B. Hankins, it pastored in West Columbia. Mark Travels has son pastors over in Alexandria, Louisiana. Lee and I did many meetings in their church over there. And, uh, But I was, you know, young in the Lord and I went to a meeting to hear him preach and he was really thrilled to see me and about a week later I got this big box in the mail and it was all of his teaching on redemption on who you are, what you have and what you can do in Christ. I don't think there's anybody on the earth that can teach redemption better than Mark Hankins. I mean, he is the the prince of preachers when it comes to redemption. I can listen to him for hours at a time. And so I began to listen. I literally, it was like, Five tape series. And I remember all of them and all of them, what they, what they taught, the scriptures. And I realized after I began to listen to this redemptive teaching, this is what I need. I can't go around tormented by the temptation, wanting to go back and do drugs, tormented with temptation to do all. I've got to have a break or a release. That's what redemption is designed to do, to break you free from your old life and to help us you into the new life that God's given you. Not just a changed life, but a new life. Can I get a better amen? Right. Now, not the first scripture. This was the second scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The first scripture. Now, let me just talk about scriptural application real quick. You say, what do you mean by that? We're all born again the same way. Did you know that? We're all born onto the earth the same way, and we're all born again the same way. We believe in our heart, we confess with our mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, we're saved. Our belief system is made up of our mouth and our heart. What we believe in our heart, we confess with our mouth. What we confess with our mouth, we possess. That's not just true for Christianity, that's true for humanity. You say, what do you mean for humanity? Humanity operates the same way. You get people say, well, flu season's coming. If anybody gets the flu, it's going to be me. Well, why? You believe it in your heart, you say it with your mouth. Well, they're laying off at the plant. If anybody gets if anybody gets laid off, it'll be me. Yeah, it will be you. Because you believe it in your heart, you confess it with your mouth. It's the belief system of the human being. So God maximizes the potential by applying into the belief system words with power. Oh, come on. Words with power. Power to save, power to heal, power to deliver, power to prosper, power to bless. But the Bible says in Colossians uh, uh, 1.20, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in. How did you receive Jesus? I've heard people say, well, I received him by grace. Other people, I received him by grace. No, no, that's not how you received him. That's how God supplies salvation. For we are saved through grace by faith, not of works. It is the gift of God, lest least any of us should boast. How do we get saved? We get saved by believing in our heart, and confessing with our mouth. Then, as we got saved, or in the same way that we got saved, we walk in Christ, which means we take every redemptive scripture and do what? We believe in our heart and we say it with our mouth. You say, well, how many times do I have to say it? The rest of your life. You say, why? Because every time you say it, it releases the power of that word and empowers you to walk in the true identity of who you are. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the healed of God. I am the rich of God. I have the joy of the Lord, which is my strength. I'm empowered by the Holy Ghost. I'm empowered by the word. You begin to see yourself as God sees you and it breaks the hold of everything the enemy has ever tried to bind you with. So my first scripture that I started with, you don't have to turn there, but I started with Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved and gave himself for me. I started saying that in the summer of 1984 and in the summer of 2020, I'm still saying it. I worship God with it. Thank you, Father. I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved and gave himself. I worship God. Then when the enemy tries to attack me with something that used to be in my past, I say, no, devil, that man's dead and gone. I remember the first person I ever told that I was a new creature and that the old person I used to be was dead. It freaked him out. A very close friend of mine. We'd, we'd hunted, we'd partied together, we'd hunted to together, we'd surfed together, we'd fished together, and I'm talking to him, I'm trying to witness to him about the Lord, and I said, I want you to know, that person's dead. He goes, no, he's not, he's standing right there. He hath, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You have to take what is in the unseen and apply it to the seen by faith so it'll work. But then the second scripture is this one, here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Notice verse 17. Therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, he is or she is a what? A new creature. Everybody say a new creature. Say a new creature. Say, I'm a new creature. Now doesn't it do you good to hear yourself say it? I tell you, when I begin to say these things about myself, I begin to separate from the facts and begin to move over into the truth. And when you do that, I guarantee you, it's not a life without challenge. It's a life in which you are empowered to face every challenge. New creature, if I say new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things, all things have become new. I, I like to use this. So, so, you know, you come to Island Church, you're here supposed to be born again, you get born again, you come hear me preach, I tell you, you're a new creature and, and old things have passed away. The old you is dead and gone. So say, say you know, August was kind of hot. How I many notice August was kind of hot? So you ran up a $500 dollar Air conditioning bill, your electricity bill is $500. So you take your bill and you will march up to, the, to the, wherever you pay your electricity bill tomorrow and you say, now let, let me tell you, I was at Island Church yesterday. I got born again. They told me I was a new creature. They said, I'm identified with the death of Jesus and that the old man, the old person I used to be is dead. Well, it's that old person that ran up this bill. <laughs> and I'm not about to pay his bills. You will find out you have to pay his bills. These are spiritual principles, spiritual realities that will empower you to pay those bills if you see the reality of it. So the Bible says you're what? You're a new creature. That's your identity. I'm Asian. No, you're not. I'm female. No, you're not. I'm tall. No, you're not. You're a new creature. That has to become the preeminent reality of your identity. And when that becomes the preeminent identity, uh, reality of your identity, you, re- you realize that's how God sees me. He doesn't see me as black, white, Hispanic, Asian. He doesn't see me as any racial identity. He doesn't see any political identity. He doesn't see any educational identity. He sees me in Christ. And that's exactly how you want your heavenly father to see you. Because when he sees you in Christ, he sees you as righteous. He sees you as blessed. He sees you as prosperous. He sees you as healed, as delivered. He sees you full of faith and power. And he sees you as the overcomer that he recreated you to be. Everybody say new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, that word behold means look and see. All things are become new. Now let me, one one more scripture. Skip verse 18, go to verse 19. It says, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word or the ministry of reconciliation. Let me read this in the Amplified. Verse 19 It was God I like this. It was God personally present in Christ reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself. Now are you ready? Not counting up and holding against men and women or humanity their trespasses, but canceling them. So what what, what is the idea that religion puts in our minds? You know what it is? God's got a book. God's got a book. Yep. Yeah. He's writing it down. You cussed the other day. Yeah, you smoked that weed that, yeah. You drank that, yeah, yeah. Looked at that stuff on the, yeah, yeah. And some people, I tell you, he ain't got a book. He got files on me. No, he doesn't. He's keeping no records. If the world could only hear, God doesn't have a book writing down all your problems. He has what? In Christ, cancel them. See. Yeah, my time's up. You've got you to gotta think like God thinks, speak like God thinks, and if you'll do that, you'll act like God acts. You say, now, how, oh, now wait a second. That's an awful bold statement. Well, aren't you his child? Don't parents delight in seeing their best qualities in their children? Don't you think God's the same way? So thinking must change. I always use this when we teach on prayer. It's a great illustration. A little woman came up to her pastor, end of a service, Pastor was old, old, wise. Pastor had been pastoring for years and years. Little woman was raised in the church, raised a family. She's now a widower. So she came to the pastor, she made this statement about prayer. She said, you know, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I have prayed all week long for hours. I've prayed the word. I've prayed in the understanding. I've prayed in tongues. I've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And God hadn't heard a word I said. So the pastor looked at her with compassion in his eyes and he said this, here's what you need to do. She looked at him like fixing to get a great answer of wisdom from a man of God. The pastor said this, here's what you need to do. You need to cuss. She said, what? He said, yeah, you just need to, as they say in East Texas, you just need to go out behind the church and cuss a blue streak. The most foul word you can think of. I'm telling you, every cuss word you've ever heard, you need to just cuss and cuss and cuss till you can't cuss no more. (laughs) She looked at him and said, are you out of your mind? She said, I was right here at this altar. I was born again as a child. I've lived at this church and I've prayed at this church and I've raised my family in this church. All my children are in this church. I've been a believer for some 60-something years and you're telling me to go out behind the church and cuss? Have you lost your mind? So the pastor said, why wouldn't you do that? And she said, well, if I was to cuss, God would hear me. And he said, oh, really? You've prayed all week long in tongues. You've prayed the Word. You've prayed in the Spirit. You've prayed all week long and God hadn't heard a word you said, but the moment you cuss, He's going to hear you. God has not counted up your problems, your circumstances, your sins, everything that you've done that's bad and wrong. He's not done them. He has taken the blood of Jesus and canceled every wicked thing we've ever done, we've ever thought, or that we will ever do or think. He has already canceled it and you're not just a poor old sinner saved by grace you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus a new creature whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life and I guarantee you if you'll live in the truth and reality of that you'll never be the same you'll never be an X this or an X that you'll always be what God says about you. Amen. That identity works in every area. Lee and I have ministered to, I don't know how many thousands of people over the years for healing and seen wonderful healings take place. But so many people come to the altar trying to get God to do something for them. Listen, if you need healing, if you come to the place, you say, I, I do, I need ministry. Well, what you're doing is you're reaffirming something that you already have. People exhaust their faith doing two things. This is my closing. They exhaust their faith Trying to get God to do something he's already done for them. Or trying to defeat an already defeated devil. People say, aren't you afraid of the devil? I'm not afraid of the devil. He's afraid of me. Doesn't the devil intimidate you? He doesn't intimidate me. I intimidate him. He said, well, you must spend a lot of time in spiritual warfare. No. I see who I am in Christ. I see who He is in me. I see the authority of the Word, the power of the Holy Ghost. I, that doesn't mean I don't fight battles. That doesn't mean I don't bind spirits. That doesn't mean I don't do things I'm supposed to do to, to do what? To enforce. you got to understand, you're not a warrior gaining ground. You're a law enforcement officer enforcing the law of the Spirit of life in Christ against the law of sin and death. I, I hate it. That they're fighting against police right now, law enforcement. Did you know what this world would be without law enforcement? It would be anarchy, total anarchy. Did you know what the world would be without spiritual law enforcement? It would be even worse than if we got rid of our natural law enforcement. Thank God we can enforce the law of the spirit of life in Christ against the law of sin and death. Amen? You start in your spirit? How many new creatures we have? Say this out loud, Heavenly Father. I thank you. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away. All things are new for me. Thank you, Lord. He that knew no sin, he knew no sin. He was made sin on my behalf. Because of that, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm not a poor old sinner saved by grace. I'm saved by grace and because of that I am the righteousness of God. Amen. Praise God. Praise. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Real quick, real quick as I look around. If you're here this morning say, Pastor I'm not right with God. I, I don't know that I'm right with God. I, I need to get right with God. Maybe you've never been saved, made Jesus your Lord and Savior. Maybe you have been saved, but you haven't been living right, haven't been doing right. You need your fellowship restored so your relationship could be secure with God. If you're here this morning, say, Pastor, would you pray with me? If if you'll lift your hand, I'll do it. Anyone at all? Nobody's looking around but me. Everybody's got their heads bowed, eyes closed. Anyone at all? Praise God. Well, good. We trust everybody's right with God. Amen. Got one hand right here. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Everybody stand on their feet. Praise God. We had one person raise their hand. So here's how we're going to do it, just like had one person in the first service. Isn't that good? So what we're going to do, let me give you a little instruction. We're going to pray a prayer. How many have ever prayed that prayer with us before? All of us have. So you that raised your hand, when we pray this prayer, we're all going to pray it out loud. We're helping you, encouraging you to pray that prayer. But here's how I want you to pray it. Pray it so that your own ears hear what your mouth is saying. And then after you pray it, here's what you do. You settle it. You settle it. I'm, I'm, I'm it. I'm a new creature. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I have a brand new identity. My past is gone. That doesn't mean you want my, won't have to deal with it. All, all things are new. I've got a brand new life. Amen. How many going to pray with us? Everybody out loud. Heavenly Father, right now, I thank you for your love, your compassion, your mercy. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you. He was born of a virgin, He did live a sinless life. He died on the cross, but He rose from the dead. He did it all for me. I believe it, I receive it, I accept it. Thank you, Lord. Today, my past is eradicated by the ability of the blood of Jesus. My future is bright, I'll never be the same, and I ask you, Lord, help me to grow up in Christ so that I will know who I am, what I have, what I can do in Jesus' name. Now let's rejoice with them. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We rejoice with them in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. amen. Let's pray over our weak fathers as we leave today. We appropriate your word. By faith and through confession, we thank you, no evil befalls us. No plague comes to our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. So whether we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, or any other way of travel or transportation, we declare we are the protected of God. In the righteous labor of our hands, we know some work out in the ocean, some work in medical, and medicine, some work up in the petrochemical plants, our students, our teachers, in education. We have contractors. We have men that run their own businesses, women that run their own businesses. We call for your blessing, your favor, your increase. And we thank you for your divine protection. No trauma, no terror, no evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. And we continually stand against this foul virus that's trying to do so much more than a virus does. We thank you. We are cocooned in the mercy of God, walking in divine health and blessing in Jesus' name. Lord, as we leave today, thank you for a door of utterance. Let us be a blessing to people, a problem to the devil, miracle in people's lives. Open a door for all of us this week to witness and to minister to somebody so that they might be blessed and delivered. Father, we thank you as we leave today. We walk in faith and love toward you. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. And we leave as the ambassadors of Christ you have called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Spirit. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.